What's going on guys? Welcome back. My name is Omar Zini. If you're new to the channel, I am the founder and director of ProGK Academy. And uh, today's video is going to be kind of closing out the decade, closing out the rest of this year. And um, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you guys know that I recently put my top four goalkeepers of the decade. And they were uh, Buffon, Petrček, Iker Casillas, and Manuel Neuer. Um, but ever since I posted that, I've kind of had this idea and feeling of I want to kind of get in depth on goalkeepers that were in my top four, top five, goalkeepers that were uh, hits at the beginning of the decade, you know, 2010, 2014, but kind of fell off. And then goalkeepers that kind of came on later on in the decade, like the latter part from like 2015 and on. So um, I'm going to start with my top four list and then go from there. And then little by little, I'll sprinkle in different names to kind of uh, just make some points that I feel, again, when it comes to like the best goalkeeper discussion, I, it's ever changing for me. It's always evolving. And I think it's very subjective. Everybody has their opinion about who their favorite goalkeeper is. And sometimes their favorite goalkeeper becomes the best goalkeeper uh, when the statistics or the eye test doesn't necessarily justify that. So I'm just going to go ahead and just start by going with my top four. And then we'll get, we'll go from there. Um, so my top four of the decade, number four is going to be Petr Cech. When it comes to Petr Cech, I mean, again, I was never supposed to be a Chelsea fan, but I found myself every single morning, Saturdays and Sundays, or every week, I would watch Chelsea games just to see Petr Cech. There was just an aura about him, something about him, and especially with uh, Mourinho's Chelsea that made him like a celebrity for in the goalkeeping community. Uh, of course, too, he had the helmet when he got kneed in the head against, I think it was Wigan. So I think that also put his profile up there where he was a little bit different. Just the way he played the game, always came up with a big save. You just always knew that any shot on goal, you never really had much worry because you just knew he was either going to make a you know, comfortable save or this amazing save to you know show stop a little bit. And, and I, I became a Czech Republic fan too because of him. And so I have him in my top, uh, my top four because of what he did with Chelsea, what he did with Arsenal afterwards. And of course, you know, he had his mistakes with the Czech Republic. He's had his mistakes um, and shortcomings with Arsenal as well. But in the time that he was with Chelsea, he's won, I think, three, um, three Premier Leagues. And then when you go to the Champions League, his performance in the final against, uh, against Bayern Munich was second to none, I think. I ask a lot of people all the time, like, what is your favorite moment from the Champions League from a goalkeeper's perspective? And, you know, a lot of people bring uh, Petr Cech's name up in that same, you know, uh, regard in terms of like uh, Manuel Neuer in the final or, you know, some big names. So um, I have Petr Cech in my top four. Now I'm going to move on to my number three. And this one was tough for me just because, again, it's kind of like these lifetime achievement stuff. So it's kind of, it, it, it fuels me in different ways where, I mean, I think Casillas, for me, was one of the best goalkeepers I was ever able to watch. And from 2010 to like 2014 or 2013, he was still the guy. You know, I would, I would watch Barcelona versus Real Madrid games, the classical games. And of course, I'm a Barcelona fan, so I always watched to see how they would do. But for me, it was always watching the two goalkeepers, Victor Valdez and Iker Casillas. And with Casillas, it was just... You know, from a young age, I gravitated towards him, and I think a lot of us, you know, shorter goalkeepers did. Um, and again, I never thought I was short, really, because I'm six foot, so I never thought I was short until I started getting into um, professional environments and college environments where the kids that we were going up against were like six three and six four, and I always thought, okay, it's you know, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. And then people started telling me, hey, coaches, you know, really look for goalkeepers that are a little bit taller nowadays. That's what they want. They don't want to have shorter goalkeepers anymore. And then, you know, when Iker Casillas was on the on the scene and everybody started seeing what he was capable of and what he was doing, I felt that, that kind of 
presence in the world game, especially in the youth game, really like jumped into the sub the, the subconscious of some coaches and said, okay, well, hey, Omar may not be that tall, but because you know there's guys like Igor Casillas out there, Victor Valdez out there who aren't that tall but are still getting the job done, maybe there's still something here. So let's actually, you know drop the bias of goalkeepers who need to be a certain stature and let's actually you know take this guy a little bit more serious so for me that always sat well with me and it it made me appreciate him that much more so the stature aspect of things and how he kind of changed the 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 mindset and perspective on uh on shorter goalkeepers but at the same time too i just love the way he was just so agile so athletic was Always the right place at the right time. You could always say, you guys, like, you know, the, the biggest saves of Casillas' career, like the ones that are most famous, people always talk about that Casillas save is like he's showing at the near post, they cross at far post, and he pretty much has to just throw his arms out because he's kind of in a situation where he has to make a reaction save, and he jumps across the goal, and somehow the forward hits it right at his arms or something like that, and he makes this amazing save, and nowadays when I'm, I'm in training or whenever where something happens and someone does that where they kind of have to make this emergency type, you know, jump across the goal they go oh my god that was a casilla save so the saves that he was able to make um the clutch like gene that he had in him he always made the big save and again a lot of these goalkeepers i'm going to be saying the same exact kind of like explanation for them because they're great for a reason and they always came up with that clutch save but Casillas for me whether it's the 2010 uh, 2010 World Cup where he makes that save against Aryan Robin where it's a night you know it's overtime and sudden death I think it was a sudden death, but if it was, uh, you know, 15, two, 15, two, 15 minute period, two 15 minute periods, sorry, I can't talk, but two 15 minute periods, one-on-one, he kind of leans over, he sticks his leg out, has the presence of mind to stick that leg out, Arjen Robin misses the frame, we all know what happens after that, 10 minutes later, Fernando Torres to, uh, to Iniesta, Iniesta scores, and the rest is history, so again, you don't have those big moments for Spain, for Real Madrid without a guy like Casillas, so came up with the big saves and uh, did everything he needed to do. But unfortunately, with uh, Mourinho coming in and he, him choosing Diego Lopez and him kind of going a different route, that kind of stunted uh, Iker Casillas' career from there. Then he broke his thumb. He was out for a while. And then when he came back, it just wasn't the same anymore. Um, they, won, they won the 2000, I think 2014 or 2013 Champions League in spite of him where he made that mistake against Atletico Madrid. Luckily, Sergio Ramos made that uh, incredible play with his header in the 90th minute, went to PK, you know, went to overtime. They ended up in like 3-4-1. So he had a great early decade and especially too, my bias comes from how much I liked him uh, prior to that and what he did for shorter goalkeepers. But even in the early 2000s, he was just the boss. He was the guy. And you never, ever thought that he was ever going to make a mistake. You just watched him play and you know he was cold-blooded. He, you just knew that there was nothing that was going to stop him from getting a shutout or just being the guy out there. So um, Iker Casillas comes in at number three for me for the decade. And um, I would say, yes, he's better than Petr Cech in that regard because of his titles and what he's been able to do on the world stage. Petr Cech obviously was a legend. And I think here in the United States, when we started getting the Premier League games more often and we had obviously uh, more capability to watch those games and they cater to our audience with the times and all that stuff, we were able to see Petr Cech in his prime at his best. And I think that's why a lot of us Americans love him. I think worldwide too, but Americans specifically because Chelsea became this like phenomenon and Abramovich started bringing them over here I remember they were at UCLA like 20 minutes from my house and they were doing like summer stuff, uh, preseason tours, things like that. So they were in the subconscious of the conscious of all the Americans here. So that's why I love Petr Cech, but Casillas is my number three for now. Number two, I'm going to go with Gianluigi Buffon. And again, 
if we're talking about the last 20 years, Buffon would be my number one personally because I just feel in terms of his career, he's been the kind of person that obviously longevity, um, he's pure class. I mean, he could have easily left uh, Juventus when they went to Serie B, uh, but unfor- but he decided to stay and he um, they won the Serie B and they went up again to um, Serie A and they've won, I think it was like seven Scudettos, they won seven in a row or eight in a row. And a kind of guy like that who comes from Parma, who's a, a, one of the most expensive goalkeepers to ever be signed, he goes to Juve, Juve gets dropped and he has not even the presence of mind, but he has this ability to kind of say, you know what? No, this is bigger than just me. I'm going to stay here for the people. I'm going to stay here for this team. Stays on there with Nedved and those guys, and they get moved back up, and all. And the rest is history. Again, they start winning all these things, and then you go to the World Cup of 2006 where, I mean, he saves that header against uh, Zidane, and there's just so many little things from his career that you can highlight, but to me, it's more the person and 2006 World Cup I was 14 so when you see somebody of like just that stature and I remember the jersey they had it's like the gold jersey with like the v-neck and they you know they beat Germany in the semifinals just all these little like storylines that I was really following as a kid and Buffon was the person that I was watching and again just like Casillas when I watch Buffon I'm not really worried about the mistakes. I'm more I'm more worried about okay, how is he going to make or what kind of a amazing play is he going to make today because you just always felt that whether it was just his personality or what it was, he just had this calmness uh, uh, um, in him that no matter the moment, no matter the situation, who they're playing against, he never ever his his confidence never really wavered. And I think at a young age, you're influenced by that. So when I'm watching Buffon on TV and I see his face, straight face, then after the game, he's smiling, that big smile. He has blue eyes. And like, he just, you see this guy and you just go, wow, like, that's just a very loving figure. And as a goalkeeper and as a person, you want to try to emulate that. So not only did he win the World Cup, not only, I mean, he didn't win the Champions League, unfortunately, but that's probably the one thing that you can say against him that, you know, Neuer, uh, Casillas, Petrček, all these guys have on him. But still, the fact that he's been able to play till he's 40 now at a high level, um, you watch him against Barcelona in 2015, the Champions League final. He made some incredible saves, and unfortunately, they still lost. Um, but still, he made some incredible saves. And then, obviously, for Juve, he's been a lifelong like favorite there. He never left, and he makes the amazing saves. And even when you watch his highlights... His positional awareness and sense for the position is the reason why guys like him can play until they're 40 because they just understand where to be. They've made the mistakes and they made the improvements over and over and over. And eventually he's been able to just put himself in the right positions, whether it's on a 1v1 where the guy takes a big touch and he's able to cover a little bit more ground. And he, But most goalkeepers are probably just keep going and then you know get stuck diving early and the, you know, the forward chips them. But, uh, but Buffon, he comes out, he gets set, they take another touch. Like very, he's just very textbook. And I think that's what I've always appreciated about his game and why I have him in my top four. And as you watch his stuff, and I really implore all the young goalkeepers who may just be, I'm an Ederson fan or Allison fan, or I love Kaylor Navas. Like I love all those guys too, but the legends, those are the ones who paved the way for these this new era. So I would really highly recommend that you guys go back and watch Buffon highlights. And I recently did. And again, the technical awareness, positional awareness, uh, when he was younger, obviously he, he's six foot three, so he's a little bit bigger. But when he was younger, he was making these incredible saves. Like if you watch him, he gets set completely, is so calm. And then when the shot is taken, he has this ability and knack to just kind of 
sprawl across the goal and to get himself across the goal, which you look at him now and you're like, wow, that guy doesn't really look athletic. But when you see him in his prime, he was the guy. And so because of, you know, his Juve success, because of, you know, Italy didn't make the World Cup. So like as the decade continued to, to you know, further along, come further along, he didn't necessarily have the best resume. Um, but for me, again, when I talked about it in the intro about like, the legends making it into the mindset and kind of influencing, unfortunately, with like a little bit of a bias. I think Buffon and Casillas are the ones who had incredible starts to the decade. And I think Buffon had a better finish to the decade because he's been able to still play at a high level. Not saying that Casillas hasn't, but we all know what happened again with Mourinho coming with them, uh, with him, not, you know, the whole world cup situation where they lost like six, seven, one or five, I forget the score, like five, six, one to, uh, to the Netherlands and bounced out from there. So a lot of bad things happened to Casillas. And then again, with Buffon, great, did, did okay as the 2014 world cup. Then you get to, uh, 2018, they didn't make the world cup. So again, those are two legends that are influencing me to put them in my list because I love them so much. And they've done so much for me as a goalkeeper, and as a person that I want them in my list. Cause out of respect, um, but with that being said, I'm going to have to go with my number one goalkeeper of the decade. That is Manuel Neuer. Man, there is like nothing you cannot say. You can't say you can't say anything like bad about this guy. Of course, he had the ankle injuries and he's been he's had some issues in in the recent history. When you look at like the body of work over the decade, the guy really just took the world by storm. 2010, when he was still a Shaka, I was watching his games um, every now and again. Not, I'm not gonna lie to you guys; I didn't watch them all the time because, again, we didn't get the German. Uh, we get the German games, but it just wasn't like the figurehead and like those matches that you really needed to watch. That's those are still the Premier League games. Then you start watching him at the 2010 World Cup, and I'm watching this dude, and I'm thinking, you know, I've been taught a certain way to play the position, which is the American way, right? Like very, you know, clean handling, making sure the proper technique is there, making sure your knee is driven up on crosses, making sure you, you cover your 18. And it's like, you know, all this very, very technical and like very textbook stuff. And then I'm watching this guy in the 2010 World Cup, and he's the most unorthodox guy I have ever seen. You know, he's six foot five, six, he's a massive, massive uh, presence back there, but he plays as if he's six foot. Just the way he runs out of the box, the way he plays with his feet as if he's a field player. And when you have the mindset of a field player, when you have the mindset of somebody who's incredibly agile with a smaller frame in a frame like 6'4", 6'5", and someone who knows how to use that and is, like, has awareness of exactly what he needs to do to keep the ball out of the net exactly, you're, I'm, I was in fear. I'm like, you know what? This guy can probably is is probably going to go down as the best goalkeeper to ever play the game and he's doing these unorthodox things and in 2010 world cup i'm watching him make these saves where he's like flying in the air holding the ball and again that was like the the era of like the jabulani like the balls that necessarily us goalkeepers hated but he was like holding balls that you just go what the what is going on here and then there were other times too where there's his unorthodox like style would come into play where, he, where he's making saves with his chest his forearms, he's punching balls instead of catching them. And he just changed the perspective and the idea of what it is to be a goalkeeper in this modern era. And I'm going to credit him. I'll get to Victor Valdez in a second here, but I'm going to credit Manuel Neuer to uh, pretty much coining the, the term sweeper keeper. He, I mean, for better or for worse, he has done, he has done things as a goalkeeper where uh, you kind of just scratch your head and you go, Wow, this guy is you know doing shoulder shoulder to shoulder tackles in the middle of the field, uh, and he's you know leaving his box thirty to forty yards. He is you know 
creating plays with his feet. He is cutting defenders or forwards up. He's faking. He's Cruyff turning the opposite way. So you start seeing this, and then people are, are saying, oh, my God, now we understand what it is to have the 11th field player on the, on the team. And that is when Manuel Neuer slowly began to change what the modern goalkeeper looked like. And for that, and for obviously winning the Champions League, winning the World Cup, uh, winning all these individual awards. I mean, he was on the UEFA Team of the Year three, four times. He uh, was on the World Team of the Year multiple times. And when you start putting all of his numbers and his individual awards and club success and, and international success, for that matter, all on a sheet, you start going, wow, this guy was probably a part of German German football's most like just magical time as a nation. You start seeing all the young goalkeepers in this in this game and, and young goalkeepers growing up, like Ter Stegen, those guys, how much of their game has been influenced by Manuel Neuer. And not, not, not necessarily to say that he is the greatest goalkeeper of all time, but when you can look at somebody and say they have influenced the game in a positive manner and have changed the game, like Steph Curry, for example, no one really believed in three-pointers anymore. Back in the day, it was just throw the ball to centers, they post up, they score. But because he changed the game and started shooting threes and people started getting the analytics and things like that, they started realizing, oh my God, we, he just broke the, broke the game. Now we got to you know, pick up the pieces and now we're going to change it up and we're going to see what the new era looks like. And to me, that's what Neuer did. He made people like uh, Ruud Hullet, who famously said, my goalkeeper will never be the one who starts the attack and never be the one with the ball at their feet. And he changed that perspective to now uh, Pep Guardiola saying, nope, my goalkeeper will always start the attack. And that's unfortunately what happened with Joe Hart. We all know the history there. But he changed what people believed to be the modern goalkeeper. And for that and for his accomplishments, I got to give him my number one goalkeeper of the decade because of his influence. And again, He's just a loving dude, and when you watch him play, again, I've never, I never watched somebody and said, okay, what, what the heck is going to happen today? I never, I never did that before. I used, to, I said with Buffon, Casillas, Petrček, it was more of like they're going to do what they need to do, and then they're going to come up with a big save. Manuel Neuer is the same, but then you add the the what what what's going to happen factor, whether he's going to come out with his feet or when you see against Inter Milan against Schalke 2000 I think 2010 he comes out a, a bouncing ball like 30 yards he comes out flying header I think it was Stankovic or one of those guys like first time side volleys from the midfield and again that was one of the times where I was like who the hell who is this keeper who is this guy doing this I've never seen this before I would always come out like bouncing balls and header him out for throw-ins but I'd never do flying. Uh, headers in the middle of the field and so he started doing stuff like that and then Juan doing it like that so everybody said wow if he can do it and he's winning like that let's see how we can start improving especially goalkeeper coaches how can we implement this this type of um, personality characteristics in our goalkeepers so for that he changed the game and that is my top four list of the decade Petr Cech, Igor Casillas, Gianluigi Buffon, and Manuel Neuer. And I would probably, you know, stick with that because I'm, again, a lifer when it comes to Casillas and Buffon because out of respect of what they've done. And I know their decades didn't necessarily end the best, but I will say because of who they are and because of my slight bias towards them, I'm going to give them the, uh, the nod in the top four. All right, guys. So now that we have the top four covered, I wanted to get into my honorable mentions. And I want to get into the first half of the decade and my honorable mentions there. And then I'm going to get into the second half of the decade and talk about guys who 
have slowly come on and have really, again, like Ederson, Allison, who have kind of changed the narrative and picked up where Manuel Neuer left off in terms of being that sweeper keeper and being the goalkeeper to start the attack. But first, I'm going to go with Victor Valdez. Uh, Victor Valdez, for me, just like Iker Casillas, just like Petr Cech and those guys, because I was such a huge, huge fan of soccer and the game back in the day, and I used to watch those games every single morning when Barcelona was at their peak and that was my favorite team, I would watch Victor Valdez and just watch the way he he was like the smaller version of the 11th man. Didn't necessarily have the same traits and characteristics as Emmanuel Neuer, but he was one of the first goalkeepers in the world to, uh, or for me at least, to see. I'm sure there's been guys like Jorge Campos and like you know uh, other goalkeepers in Mexico or Latin American countries who have the uh, pedigree of you know we need to play with our feet. But for me, one of the first goalkeepers that I got to watch on a weekly basis was Victor Valdez and how he played with his feet and the influence that he had for Barcelona. And man, they were doing, I mean, nowadays the, the rules have changed where you can pass the ball inside the 18. But if that never, if that rule had come earlier, I think Victor Valdez would be like the poster child of the sweeper keeper and how you're supposed to play with your feet out of the box. He was just so calm. Um, every time they passed the ball to him, you just knew, like you didn't really think of it being, oh, he's in trouble. It was always like, okay, how is he going to get out of this? Where is he going to play the ball? And that really opened my eyes to what the possibilities were in terms of um, having vision and having field awareness and scanning the field. And when I would watch him play, again, those balls would come back from like a Busquets or Puyol, and he would just swing it. He would show at an angle, get the ball, swing it again. And I was just like, wow, even if you're not necessarily making amazing saves or you don't really get called on that much but you're swinging the ball around and you're a part of the game in a different way there's still there's still a way for you not to chase the game but to let it happen naturally so growing up I I try to get better with my feet because I would play on the field and try to understand like okay well Valdez got the ball here but he swung it across the field how did he know that guy was there so I started like checking my shoulder more often and I people people used to call it the Xavi look but to me it was the uh, Victor Valdez look where I would look across the field and see paint a picture for myself of what was in front of me before I even got the ball and his influence and again he influenced the game as well with his feet, but didn't get the notoriety or credit because of how bar- how good Barcelona was, and he wasn't necessarily um, the the figurehead of that. But I think the fans of the game and the fans of Barcelona, fans of goalkeeping, when you watch Victor Valdez, you can wholeheartedly say without any hesitation that he was the Manuel Neuer with his feet before Manuel Neuer got there. And again, there's probably other other goalkeepers that I'm missing, but for me, I was still about 16, 17 years old watching Victor Valdez at his prime for Barcelona, and I'm seeing stuff that I've never seen before. And you're inviting pressure on your six-yard box. Like, that's not... And again, it comes from the system, but at the same time, you have to have a goalkeeper that's competent enough and confident enough to be able to put him in that position. And same thing, again, we always talk about with, you know, Pep Guardiola and Man City and Joe Hart and how that kind of scenario all, you know, got screwed up and everything like that. But we come back to uh, Victor Valdez and he was able to kind of get that, in, that picture in, in Pep's mind and tell him what's ca- what is capable from a goalkeeper and what he's looking for in the future. So before I finish with him, his distribution was amazing, but there he was the unsung hero for Barcelona. He would make those big time saves that 
not that you wouldn't expect from him, but he would just make those saves. You just go, oh, wow. Okay. Now I understand why he's on Barcelona, not just because he's good with his feet. And I think there was people who always said, oh, they should go find somebody else who's bigger and stronger who can also play with their feet. But I'm like, no, like if it's not broken, don't fix it. He would make the, he would make the important saves. And again, he would give them peace of mind playing out of the back. So honorable mention, Victor Valdez, uh, early half the decade. Second goalkeeper honorable mention, Joe Hart. Again, it's, it's, it's sad because you start seeing how these goalkeepers uh, and their careers kind of develop and what happens to them over time. And I think Joe Hart was the victim again of the Pep Guardiola system, the Victor Valdez mindset of what's, what's, you know, what is being asked of the modern goalkeeper. And again, with the feet, uh, Phil Wedden said this, like you play with your feet seven times more than you do with your hands in a game. And those are the statistics. So you can't really fight that. So now, you know, when you're looking for goalkeepers in the modern game, you're looking for guys who are competent with your feet. Okay, they're competent with their feet. Are they excellent with their feet? Okay, if they're excellent with their feet, what is their decision making like? So there's always they're always pushing the field goal further and for, uh, further back. So Joe Hart, early 2010, was the guy. I mean... You can't even, you probably couldn't name somebody who was more popular, more famous. The money that was pouring in for Man City and what their team was looking like as they built the, this powerhouse up. You watched him play and you go, wow, I have never seen a goalkeeper do a spread save like this guy. I have never seen somebody be willing to put their body on the line like him. I would say Manuel Neuer now is somebody who you could say is is not reckless, but is like, I'll do anything to make this save. But Joe Hart to me was the catalyst of that. And when Man City, again, when Chelsea got their money and they were kind of, you know, spending big on Drogba and players like that, and they kind of got their fame here in the U.S., Man City kind of saw that formula and realized, okay, how can we do the exact same thing, but obviously for Manchester. So, you know, for about six to seven years, Joe Hart was England number one, Man City number one. I remember watching him play when, like, Shea Given got hurt for Man City, and then they put in this young guy, Joe Hart, and Joe Hart comes in, completely balls out, keeps the job, and then from there on out, you know, he becomes, um, in a lot of people's minds, the best goalkeeper in the world, for me at least. Uh, he was one of the best shot stoppers I've ever seen. <laughs> Just, like, in the way he used to, like, you know, clean his gloves, where he, like, you know, do this thing, and... I saw, I started seeing young goalkeepers do that with their palms. And it was just like this uh, just really cool approach to how he did things. And to me, he doesn't get the necessary credit that he deserves because of him being 31 now and him still being, you know, this past weekend, I think it was Nick Pope got hurt and then he was warming up and then Nick Pope felt better and was able to carry on. And you watch that and it just breaks your heart because you're just like, man, this guy really fell off. He was at Torino in like 36 games. He conceded 62 goals. So his career didn't necessarily pan out the way it should have. But early on and thinking about how young he was, he was the best in the world and somebody who would use any part of his body to make a save. And we all know he was famous for that incredible game against Barcelona where he kept out Messi and Messi pretty much praised him uh, for all those saves. So with that being said, you know, Joe Hart doesn't necessarily get the credit that he deserves, but he was the best goalkeeper. It's undeniable in the world for a few a few years. Maybe not the best, but at least one of those few years where Man City were at their like their peak and at their best. He to me was one of the best goalkeepers in the world and really brought that spread save into the mainstream again because here in the US we watched a lot of Premier League games and he, and when Man City was the best, they were always on TV. So he brought that into it, and I started watching his, you know, uh, approach on 1v1s and block shape techniques and what he would do. 
And I started thinking, okay, I I need to start implementing that into my game. I was I wasn't necessarily taught how to do it, but I want to see if I can spread myself as big as this guy and make myself as big as I possibly can to make a save. So for that, Joe Hart, I'm going to show you some love and give you my honorable mention as the goalkeeper with Victor Valdez, who I really appreciated early in the decade. Now I want to talk about later in the decade and goalkeepers that have really turned up and um, just really kind of taking the baton and, and, and run with it. Uh, I'm going to give you guys three names. The first for me is David De Gea. I mean, De Gea, when you watch him play, again, he's just one of like the best shot stoppers you will ever see. And I think sometimes that's his downfall, in my opinion, where if the game doesn't call for him to make amazing saves or things like that, sometimes mentally he doesn't stay engaged. And I think over the past few years, I mean, he's been Man United's you know, player of the year for three years um, out of those like six years where they've kind of gone into this rut after they won their Premier League title, I think in 2013 or early in the decade. And he has been their guy. And you don't really get the notoriety on a bad team unless you're a top goalkeeper, somebody who's making amazing saves. Like with QPR, Julio Cesar was not, um, uh, he wasn't uh, the main like picture of the, uh, the main player on the team, but because QPR was so bad and this guy was forced to make like 20 saves a game, I remember him at least as being a success at QPR. So when you look at Man United and you look at their past few years where they haven't really won that many trophies, I mean the Europa League, the Premier League a few years before that, um, you start looking at like their body of work and go, what is the one person or who is the one player that we can kind of look at and go, wow, that was the person who kept us somewhat afloat in this time of you know, chaos and turmoil. And I think that was David De Gea. Um, undeniably, the, probably the best shot stopper in the world over the last like six years. Very difficult to find somebody, maybe Neuer, but Neuer got his injury. So De Gea slowly, you know, uh, closed that gap. Amazing shot stopper. Early on in his career at Man United, Sir Alex Ferguson and people are people were always saying that De Gea is too soft for the Premier League and he's not somebody who can be uh, reliable on crosses. And for a short period, they part you know they put in Lindegaard and Lindegaard came in and did okay. But then after I think it was uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the coaches came out and pretty much said, you know, we're gonna stick. It was Sir Alex Ferguson. We're gonna stick with him. He is our guy. We're gonna believe in him and he's gonna get stronger. He has to improve certain things, but he's gonna get better. He's gonna get stronger. And we're going to stick with him. So luckily they stuck by him. They stayed with him and he improved his aerial ability. He kind of manned up, was able to come out for crosses and punch things out, did what he needed to do. And then again with shot stopping. Um, and sometimes he's a little unorthodox, just like a Neuer would be. And sometimes he makes saves, you know, where he's uh, or defaults into spread saves or doing certain things that I necessarily wouldn't teach. But there's a reason why guys like him and Neuer, uh, Ter Stegen, those guys are so good is because doesn't really matter what they make a save with. And I think that's where my mind has gone over the past few years of don't necessarily care about technique all the time. Yes, that's a good foundation to have. But if you can make the save, make the save. If your body is telling you or you have this like this IQ of the game and you see, you, you see something developing and you can go cut it off or do certain things that wouldn't be textbook, go do it. And I think that is what De Gea has proven to me over the past few years. And, um, you know, they haven't really won too much, but I think on an individual side of things, he's a baller. Uh, of course, the World Cup and the last few, like two years, year and a half, he hasn't necessarily been his best. But I think if he can fix 
what he's reliable on, and that is shot stopping to develop his confidence in a game. If he can fix that, which I hear now he's doing like 40-something passes a day at training to get better with his feet, and I think that's also going to help him improve his confidence, which I felt like was Valdez's like key to success of staying in games and staying engaged when Barcelona kept possession so much, is to have different parts of the game and traits you can access for confidence, communication, cross-taking, uh, pass-backs, whatever it is. I feel like David De Gea is slowly recognizing that and his, his coach is recognizing that and putting that into his subconscious a little bit more. And I think he's going to be way more aware of that. So right now it's still a rough phase and a rough patch for him in his career. In the moment, he is to me one of the best goalkeepers of the decade. But how he's done the last few years, to me, has kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. But I still can't take away credit from his body of work. So for me, he's up there for uh, one of the goalkeepers that you look at and go, okay, I'm comfortable putting him in my top 10 of the decade. Next, I'm going to go with Kaylor Navas. And, you know, this is, such, this is one of those names that is has such a unique perspective in the world game some people love him some people hate him and sometimes you know you have people who fight you on oh you think Kaylor Navas is better but what about this guy they just never want to give him his like due credit so let me do that for him and let me just say that on paper the guy stacks up to anybody three Champions Leagues well four when he won the one where Iker Casillas uh, played in 2014 against Atletico so he has four Champions Leagues uh, he kills it for uh, for Costa Rica all the time. He's like CONCACAF player of the year, goalkeeper of the year, I think three or four times now consecutively. And so you can't really fight him and his body of work and his resume on that. You can't really do that. So instead of that, people just always go the eye test. Okay, you know, he's only a shot stopper. He is, uh, he's not very good with his feet. He doesn't come up in the big moments. He's, he's mistake prone. They give you all these different reasons. And yeah, sure. I mean, I think... You know, if you have an idea of what you want to see from somebody and you have a perspective on, oh, Omar is not a good person or Omar is not a good coach because of how you feel about them, every single thing that they do now, you're going to start adding up all the negatives and it's going to be a bias and confirmation bias towards you and how you feel, right? So with Keller Navas, to me, and I've always said it, he is one of my favorite goalkeepers of the decade and just of all time for me, just because of his personality. He was with whole court, the whole Courtois thing. He never spoke ill about Courtois. He never said anything negative. He always you know, kept his mouth shut. He just focused on playing, focused on the game. And as we can see, when one goalkeeper, all they do is talk. And one goalkeeper, all they do is just stay quiet, get on with their work. We see which of those two goalkeepers, and I'm not calling out Courtois here, but we can see which of those two goalkeepers is all about business and the other one's all about flash. Courtois is slowly making his way back and like figuring it out. But to me, the whole Navas situation was handled perfectly by Navas and poorly by Courtois. And so for Navas, you know, there's a reason why Real Madrid won as many games as they did and as many champions as, as they did. And kind of how Victor Valdez didn't get the credit that he deserved, I feel like Keller Navas does not get the credit that he deserves. Yes, sometimes his technique is poor. There's sometimes where, you know, let's say he's diving to his right, he pushes off his off leg and like dives with a cross step with his left foot. And he makes a save, which is crazy, but people who are like technical purists or whatever, they'll look at that and say, nope, no, we can, we, can, we can find somebody better who does that better. And we can do that. We can find somebody who, you know, has better technique than that. When really, I mean, at the end of the day, for us goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches, it's about teaching our goalkeepers as many things as they can in terms of like their tools and their toolbox. But if you can make the save, you know, your own way, do it. And Kaylor Navas, to me, has really shown me that and shown me that technique is cool and you can have that as foundation. But if you can make the save, go ahead and do it. And 
you know, he doesn't get enough credit for their, their Champions League victories. He doesn't get enough credit for Costa Rica's success over the years. Um, but let me just put it on record for me. He is just so clutch, makes the big time saves when he's supposed to make them. And to have somebody back there where you just know that any shot on frame, this guy is going to either make a save or, you know, put it out of danger. Just do something that's going to change the game and be a clutch gene for your team and build the momentum back up. That to me is important. And I'll leave you guys with this one on Kaylor Navas' uh, situation where he made the mistake against Kimmich where he cheated on the near post against Bayern Munich and he hits it near post and uh, you know Kimmich scores and Bayern, Bayern wins and everyone's talking about how Kaylor Navas is you know, mistake prone and confirmation bias and how they want to do this, this, and this. And he should be left off the team and all this stuff. But Zidane kept him on the team, didn't change anything. And if it wasn't for Florentino Perez, I think Zidane would have left everything not broken keep keep novice in there we're going to stay with him i think if he you know hadn't had that influence from the president and we're going to spend money on this goalkeeper and he has to come in things would have stayed the same and novice would have been successful you know for years and years to come but he dodged that you know bad situation now he's the psg and we all know how he's doing there but again to finish off this point about keller navas to me he was he's clutch He's unorthodox as well, a little bit different unorthodox than Neuer, who he's not running out of the box 20, 30 yards, but a little unorthodox, but he gets the job done. And for him being a smaller goalkeeper, you know, the guy is, is again, changing and rewriting what it means in the mainstream for a shorter goalkeeper. And I think shorter goalkeepers now more than, I mean, back in the day, stature wasn't, it was, it was big, but like in the 70s and 80s and 90s, like it started becoming, you know, more and more important to have a taller goalkeeper. But now we have guys like Casillas, we have guys like Kaylor Navas, we had guys like Gregory Coupe, uh, Jorge Campos, you know, all these guys who changed the narrative and perspective. And for those guys, to me, I always have a soft, a soft spot in my heart, but not because it's a soft spot, but because he also has the resume to back it up. Why I have Kaylor Navas in my top or my in my honorable mention for goalkeepers that uh, were in the second half of the decade, latter part of the decade. And again, guys, you know, I have one more and I think... It is, um, you know, I can go and say Ederson, I can go and say Allison, I can go and say, you know, all these guys. But to me, I have to go with Jan Oblak. And, you know, with Jan Oblak, you're just, you're looking at a guy who, like, emotion-wise, like, I don't think he has very many emotions. Like, when I see him play, like, he's just so calm, cool, collected. And when you watch this guy go about his business, like, I watched him, they played against uh, the MLS All-Star team in Orlando. And I just watched him in warm-ups and you know, he's a great teammate. He's like high-fiving his, uh, the other goalkeeper who's warming up with him. And like, you know, they have a good camaraderie, good chemistry. And I, I just don't see him fluctuating with his confidence. He's never going up on great performances and then down with bad performances. He's just one of the most consistent goalkeepers over this decade. Uh, whether, you know, it was his time in Portugal and then his time, you know, going to, uh, with Atletico Madrid, his consistency. And of course the system obviously helps because, you know, their Simeone's like team is just so defensively sound that it obviously does well for him, bodes well for him. But you need to have a goalkeeper back there that doesn't take risks, is uh, consistent, is confident, can make the big save. Um, yeah, I think everything about him, man, it just screams to me he's going to be the best goalkeeper in the world very, very soon. And again, for me, I you know I wish he would go to England where we can see him every single week and we can kind of dissect his game a little bit more. But fairness to him, he wants to stay with Atletico Madrid. Good situation there. Why would you leave? So over the years, I have really gained a lot of respect for him. 
there was one time where I was kind of like, I don't like this guy. And it was, I think it was um, 2015 or 16 where they played Real Madrid in the final of the Champions League. And in every single PK, he like, he didn't even try. Like, I just, it felt to me that he was just like falling over, like guessing and the forwards always knew where he was going. So he was like moving a little early and I was kept like, why is Old Black doing that? Just stay up, react and don't give the forward a chance to see where you're moving before they even shoot the ball. So that was my only complaint about him in his career, really. Uh, but for the most part, he's been consistent. He's been clutch, makes the big saves, doesn't fluctuate with confidence, um, is a great teammate, seems like a really good person. So all in all, I'm going to give him that. And I think if I'm going to choose anybody to kind of get to that you know, consistency phase, kind of like how Neuer was for a few years and Buffon and Casillas were, I think Oblak to me is the goalkeeper. Him and Ter Stegen um, are going to be the guys who, you know, set that next example for the next generation. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for everybody else, but I think in terms of personality and, and who they are, I'm going to go with Oblak. And then I'm going to give another honorable mention to, to Ter Stegen, but you know, he is uh, my, my latter half of the decade as well. I'm going to give him a lot of respect as well. I mean, he was a big-time signing for Barcelona, and no one really knew what was going to come of that whole situation because of Claudio Bravo and him being the number one. And, you know, I think it was Claudio Bravo getting all the league games and League Cup games, and then Ter Stegen only getting the Champions League games. And then we saw he won the Champions League in 2015, and it's hard to stay mentally engaged when you're only playing one tournament and, like, you know, you're used to playing every single game. And the weekend comes, and you're like, okay, you're, t- you're going to be sitting, and then you're going to play the midweek games in the Champions League. So, for that, I'm going to give Ter Stegen a lot of credit. And not only for that, but the way he plays the game. Technically, one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen. Incredible decision-making. Just one of the best shot stoppers as well. He just has an awareness and a knack for making saves that you just go, what is what is that? Like, I've never seen that before. And, I mean, the one that I'll say is the one against uh, Bayern Munich where he stands up, it hits his arm, he runs back to the the, the, the goal line, tips it out. And you just go, wow, that is, it's just special. Uh, That kind of a goalkeeper you don't get every day. And goalkeepers that have the technical foundation, have the confidence, have the shot stopping ability, but also have the ability to come up in those big moments. That's, that is a trait that you don't find very often. So I give Ter Stegen a lot of credit. And I know that in the next decade, he's going to be the goalkeeper for me, him and Oblak. I would say Ederson as well, but I feel like he's very systemy. He's a system kind of guy. I would say Allison as well. He's come on later on in the decade, but not all the decade. So the later half of the decade, he's been probably the best goalkeeper in the world to me the last two years. But um, it's kind of getting it's kind of getting rambling here because now I'm realizing that I forgot a lot of names and <laughs> I've already kind of recorded this whole thing. So it's difficult for me to go to backtrack. But I got to give Allison a lot of credit, Oblak a lot of credit. Ederson a lot of credit, uh, Ter Stegen a lot of credit, and there's probably so many more goalkeepers that I'm forgetting, um, but for now, those are my decade goalkeepers, my top four, my honorable mentions, first half of the decade, honorable mentions, half pack, uh, part of the decade, last, second, last, second part of the decade, and at the last uh, comments here, the goalkeepers that I forgot. Um, and as you guys can tell, I've been going for about 40 minutes now, so I'm exhausted. My mind is going crazy. I have to go train. So, uh, if you guys liked the video, please like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know what you guys liked about it. Start a discussion in the comment section. Let me know if I missed any names and who uh, I put too low on my list or who I put too high on my list and who deserves to be on there because, um, again, it's a community base and I really like hearing you guys' opinions. And sometimes I don't respond to all the comments, but I do read them all. They come up on my phone as notifications and I always read them. And sometimes I look at them and I forget to respond. So, put your name on there. 
uh, comment, like, subscribe, and uh, keep tuning into these videos. And let me know if you guys like the new setup here with the lights and like the background and all that stuff. And uh, half podcast, half YouTube video. Let me know what you guys think. Um, all right, guys. My name is Omar Zini. I will see you guys at the next video, which will be this coming Friday where I do a QA and uh, with you guys on Instagram Live, film it, and then, um, yeah. So get your questions in. Make sure you guys are ready to go. Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here in California, I will be on uh, YouTube or I will be on uh, Instagram Live. All right, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Happy New Year. Bye. Thank you.